Thanks for listening to The Vine's podcast. The Vine is a church in Austin, Texas, with the simple goal of following Jesus together. And we hope this message helps you in doing just that. This morning's scripture reading is from Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 to 29. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This morning, we're continuing in our series called Guardrails. Several years back, our uh, leadership created 10 different statements for our community uh, to put into words the culture we hoped that we would create. The reason why we are doing this series, Guardrails, is because it is so easy for us as individuals and for us as a community to get derailed, to go out of the bounds of which we feel like God's calling us to. We know how easy it is to step over guardrails. And so these statements are here to help us stay on track of uh, where we feel like God's leading us. And so um, this is, uh, we have several different um, guardrails we've already shared. If you haven't heard them and And if you consider this your community, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to them. But today, the guardrail we're considering is there's no better place to plant one's life than in God's word. There's no better place to plant one's life than in God's word. The Bible is an extraordinary thing. The Bible is this collection of stories, of poetry, of legal code, of songs, of wisdom sayings genealogy letters, eyewitness accounts, and it ends with this bizarre end-of-time poetry that many of us have no clue what to do with. It's It's a collection written by dozens of authors, unknown numbers of editors. The Bible has moved past and through cultural differences, language barriers, ethnic barriers, written by people all on the other side of this world over thousands of years ago, and yet it today, it remains the greatest selling book of all time. This incredible collection is now sitting on your lap or on your iPhone waiting for you. And the astonishing belief that we have as a community is that this ancient book is the best place for us to plant our life. In a day and age where it feels like everything has a short shelf life, like we have to update our phones every other month, we have to upgrade our cars, we have to, there's a short shelf life for many things. It is unbelievable to me that the Bible remains the most relevant, timeless, instructive guide for humanity. It's baffling when you stop and think about it. Yet if we were honest, we also know that many of us have our own history with the Bible. I know for me, I grew up in a, in a very um, wonderful home in a wonderful small church in North Dallas. And I was taught to fear and respect the Bible. I remember very clearly being in Sunday school and placing the Bible on the ground and being chastised by my sweet Sunday school teacher for, uh, you know, devaluing God's word like that. I also remember later on in that church having sword drills. Anyone else been a part of a sword drill? Like 
we can make anything a competition, right? This is what we do with the Bible. We can make anything a competition. We have to see who's the first to, f- to quote that scripture or find it in the Bible. It's hilarious to me that we, uh, that we, in, the way we, in the way in which we do that. Maybe some of you, your history of the Bible is that when you got married, you, your tradition, your family was you got the family Bible. That, you know, that oversized white, big white Bible with the gold on the outside. Or sadly, maybe for you, the Bible has been something that has been used as a weapon, either for us to defend our faith against the world, or maybe we were taught to use a weapon against other people, or maybe, uh, maybe the Bible has been weaponized even against you to use to shame or to attack you. And then I know there's some of us here, we don't have any history with the Bible. And it's pretty daunting. Like, where do you start? What is, why are there all these numbers in it? What is, what are, like, what is the point of reading this? Um, and so for many of you, you don't, it just feels like a foreign, ancient document. Well, regardless of where you are, your history with the Bible, I just want to say that you're welcome here. You're welcome here with your questions, your insights, your doubts, your own history. You're all welcome here. And part of our idea of us following Jesus, this journey is us uh, following Jesus and allowing Jesus to shape our view and our relationship with Scripture. Jesus gave his uh, Sermon on the Mount, his Tour de Force Sermon in Matthew, and the way in which Jesus chose to conclude three chapters of real meaty uh, preaching uh, he chose to finish it with a parable, a story, and we, and we just heard it. This was Jesus' big finish. Therefore, this is verse 24, Therefore, if anyone hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, they are like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Seems like for Jesus, what, the way in which Jesus wants to shape our view of Scripture is that this is really foundational. This is important. We care about Scripture because Jesus cared about Scripture. It's clear that if you read the Gospels, Jesus knew it. He quoted it. He, he taught from it. He, uh, when he was wrestling uh, with the devil, he recited it to remind him of God's truth. It is important for us as a church because it is important to Jesus. And, and Jesus concludes the Sermon on the Mount by saying, whoever hears these words of mine and puts them into practice... They are like a wise person. They have built their house on the rock. You know this, that one of the most important decisions in building your home is choosing a good foundation. I, like you, many of you have woken up with a panic of seeing a crack start slowly building in your wall. You know that panic that you have? It's because we know that one of the most important things to do is to find a sure, good foundation. And how do we find that good foundation? Jesus says it's our relationship to God's word. He who hears these words and puts them into practice, they've built their house on a rock. And something that's so crucial for me as I considered this passage this week is it's that important word, who hears, but more than that, who puts these words into practice. This is the point of God's word. It's not just merely for something for us to believe in or agree with. It's for us to put into practice. So much of the church's focus can often be on studying the Bible or memorizing the Bible. Those are all fine and good. We need that. But Jesus has something more for us. For Jesus, he doesn't want us just to be familiar with Scripture. Jesus wants us to put it to practice. I love how... uh, 
lawyer turned Christian author Bob Goff said, Jesus doesn't just want you to agree with him. He wants you to follow him. The Bible isn't only something to be studied and agreed upon. It's something that we have to live out. We have to integrate into our life and our lifestyle. And I love the word practice. Many people I know in COVID have picked, it up, picked up new hobbies, right? I've seen pictures of you on your Instagram, on your Facebook. You started roller skating again. Some of you did that. Some of you have started painting. You picked up paintbrushes again. Some of you picked up golf. Um, and as you picked up these hobbies, you have to start practicing them. And like all practices, you, it begins clunky, awkward. Uh, I remember when I picked up roller skating, my dad had a, a belt and put a pillow on my bottom and belted the pillow onto my bottom because he just knew I was going, as I was going to practice, I was going to fall a lot. I actually hope that that word practice uh, is a gracious word to us when we think about our relationship with Scripture. I hope it's freeing because practice is the gift of space. Practice is the gift of you can make mistakes as you're trying to figure out how to live this out. Friends, the most important thing about us in our living with God's word and practicing God's word is not that we've perfected it immediately, but that we keep at it. We keep at it trying to see how to integrate these teachings of Jesus into the lifestyle that is determined by the way of Jesus. The most important part of practicing is just keeping at it. And as we practice God's word, Jesus is saying that slowly, imperceptibly, we are being formed and brick by brick, we're being laid upon a firm foundation. Jesus shared that as you practice his words, you are being not only just building your, your life upon God's rock, something that's sure, but you're also being prepared for when the storms of life come. Verse 25 says this, this parable, the rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Though Israel was not known for having tons of rain, at times they would have torrential rainstorms that would be catastrophic. In Texas, we call them goalie washers. Like a bunch of rain happens, like it kind of did a couple of weeks ago, and it just, it just floods, it just washes out. And, and oftentimes what seems like sure, uh, sure home all of a sudden is realized that the foundation is weak. And so Jesus gives this warning to us. But anyone who hears the words of mine and does not put them to practice is like a foolish person who built their house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the wind blew and beat against the house and it felt with a great crash. We all know part of this life is not if the storms come, but when they come. And when the storms come, it's too late to pick up your house and move it to a rocky foundation. The home is already built. And Jesus promises anyone who builds their house on anything but God's word, their house comes down. I wonder if we were honest with ourselves, honest with God. I wonder where have we been building our life? Upon the expectations of our parents? upon comparison, keeping up with other people, upon the ideal of success given to us by our culture or by the gift of God's word. Something too important to notice, I think, is the promise that uh, a home built upon the rock will stand. We want Jesus' promise to be this. Like, if you follow me, if you live in my words, I promise I, I will redirect every storm from you. 
You will not experience the wind. You will not experience a flood. But in fact, in fact Jesus here promises that the storms will still come. And we know that to be the case. We know the storms of life are, are near, sickness, job loss, depression, senseless, senseless deaths around us, a child who turns away, and a million more different types of storms. We wish Jesus' promise was if we followed him, miraculously the storms would be, uh, would be uh, taken away. But Jesus' promises is instead, the foundation will not fail you. I am not going to fail you. Though the storm rages on, I will hold you in place. I will hold you up. And so for me, the question is, how? How can we start practicing God's word? How can we begin to live into this, building our house upon the firm foundation of Jesus's word? Well, let me just lift up a couple ways in which we can uh, live into the promise and the purpose of God's word in our life. First, the Bible is a mirror. What makes the Bible unique is that God says that the Bible's active and it's ongoing. It honestly reveals the heart. It reveals what's going on inside of us. This is from Hebrews 4.12, is the writer of that letter said that God's word will actually open us up and illuminate what's going on inside of us. I've had moments in scripture where I have seen myself in the story. This is one of the ways in which we read the Bible and practice it, is we don't just read the Bible as an account of something 2,000 years ago, but we wonder, where am I in this story? And I've seen myself in, in moments of my life in different parts of Scripture. I have denied Jesus like Peter. I've ran from God like Jonah. I've complained to God like Martha. I have been carried by friends to the feet of Jesus when I was too weak on my own. I have covered up my sin like David in the prodigal son story, I have ran from God like that prodigal younger brother, and I have judged others like the older brother too. And the question for us is, as we read scripture, as we see the Bible as a mirror, we are seeing what God is doing within the text and how we can remember who we are, how we can find our way back home, how we can get ourselves back to that rock and allow God's grace to return us to where we, are, where we belong the Bible is this gracious gift of a mirror. The Bible is also a decision grid. If guardrails help us make wise decisions, the Bible is the ultimate guardrail. The psalmist said this, a beautiful psalm, Psalm 119 said this, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. The purpose of God's word is to show us the way to go, to show us a path, to illuminate our, what's before us, where we're heading. We want all, all of us, we want to build our lives on God's world, word, but especially the words of Jesus. I want to acknowledge that the Bible being a decision-making grid uh, is tricky because people have used the Bible to start holy wars, to keep women silent and submissive, to endorse slavery. The Bible's been used to endorse uh, racism and uphold that. This is why our ultimate decision grid is Jesus. The question we must ask is, is this consistent to the way, the life, the claim, the teachings of Jesus that we find in the Gospels? Because the Bible's ultimate purpose is to display Christ, his life, his goodness, his promises for us. 
And in fact, this parable, what Jesus is saying, if you hear these words of mine and put them into practice, if I'm going to be technical, Jesus is actually saying about that of the Sermon of the Mount. He's saying, whoever lives into my teaching, they are building their life upon the rock. So we here at the Vine, we love the Bible. We are fascinated by it. We are humbled by it. We center ourselves around it. We study it. We discuss it. But we do not worship the Bible. The Bible points us to the only one that's worthy of our worship and our devotion. Ultimately, the gift of the Bible is that it points us to Jesus who is at the center of our shared faith. So yes, the Bible is purposed to be our decision grid, but Jesus is our interpretive guide. We follow the way of Jesus together. But this is the gift of God's word. It helps us make wise decisions to ensure that we are building our lives upon the rock of God's word. So the Bible is a mirror, the Bible is a decision grid, and the Bible is also an anchor. As this parable mentioned, storms are a part of life. And when they come, we have a provision out of God's abundant love for you. When there are the seasons of life that become stormy, you have something now to hold on to. This word will be like an anchor for which we can cling to. I know there's been seasons of our life where if we've just been situated in a storm, whether it be issues of an infertility a tragic, senseless death of a loved, loved one, a family member. More and more, like we've had so many different storms come in our life. And oftentimes as we enter into that season, out of God's love for us, God will give us a word to hold on to. And it's been a story, it's been a verse, it's been just a phrase in scripture, just that we cling to. And I love that idea of an anchor because anyone else who doesn't, who just pulled up on the scene, they have no clue that something's beneath the surface that's holding us in place, that's keeping us where we need to go so we don't just are abandoned and deserted. So we don't just, we just float off into, in, into disaster. But there's something that holds us in those times of life. There's an anchor beneath the surface that we can cling to. That's the gift of God's word. And lastly, the, the Bible is preparation. I, I would encourage each of us, when we come to our time of Scripture, when we come to our time of reading God's Word, that we begin with this, this belief that God is active and alive and wants to meet you that day, to prepare you for that day, that God is not surprised of what's waiting for you in your life, so if God is loving and if God knows better, wouldn't God want to give you help? Wouldn't God want to prepare you for uh, what's before you? The Bible is used by God as preparation. 15 years ago, I decided to uh, propose to Jen and she was about to get a crash course of one of my weaknesses. Just, I only have a, a few of them, so there, there weren't many, but this was one of them. On, we were on a mission trip in Nicaragua on this particular day, we went to visit a hospital, and, um, and I, I'm the example of, uh, of someone who's not really helpful on a mission trip because I know very un poquito uh, Spanish. I can order a great meal, but that's about it. And uh, so I was kind of there just to help facilitate but not really interact much. But I, I sat down in the, in the hospital lobby, and this woman sat down next to me, and uh, she pulled out her Bible, uh, sword check you know, for those who grew up in the same tradition as me. So I was like, oh, I'm on a mission trip, so I pulled out my Bible. And we just began reading scripture to each other. And we 
didn't know what each other was reading, but we knew what our Bible said. And she kept pointing to Psalm 27. She read it to me over and over and over again. So I read it back to her, uh, the sweet, sweet woman. Uh, later on that day, Jen and I decide that we are going to uh, take a little hike. There's a small mountain behind the camp that we were staying in. And we decided, all right, we're, let's go trek up the, the, top, the top of this mountain, take a picture and come back down. And we were warned, be careful that you're back in before, uh, before it's nighttime because this, is, this place is not safe. It's like, okay, great. Um, so we went up to the top of the mountain, took a picture, and then went down the mountain. Uh, and the problem was we went down the wrong side of the mountain. I have a lot of strengths, but direction is not always one of them. And uh, so there we were. It was dark. I had nothing but my Yo Heart Nicaragua t-shirt. Uh, we have that on and a Nalgene bottle of water. And soon this would become the most frightening experience of our life. We are wandering around in the dark without a cell phone. No clue where we were. We almost fell off a cliff. We had a, a pack of wild dogs uh, come and attack us. I had my Nalgene bottle, people, so that's what I used. Uh, and, then, oh, and then finally, we found ourselves to this wall. We're like, fine, we made it to our camp. And as we were walking up to this wall, we started hearing whistling and the, the, the sound of footsteps running all around us. In a matter of seconds, um, we found ourselves surrounded by people in military outfits with AK-47s. We were forced on our knees with the guns behind us. And uh, there was this part of me that thought, this is it. They thought we were spies, by the way. Two of the paciest people and one person with a Yo Heart Nicaragua t-shirt who were frightened out of their minds and they thought we were spies. And as we were there on our knees, the weirdest thing happened. Psalm 27 came to mind. It was almost as if God sent an angel that day to read and remind me of Psalm 27, the same, the same passage that that woman read to me over and over again. This is what Psalm 27 said. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. The war break out against me, even then I will be confident. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe. I will remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong, take heart, and wait for the Lord. That psalm replayed in my mind, and I don't know what I would have done if that, word, if that word had not been shared to me, if God had not prepared me through this sweet woman, as I reread Psalm 27, especially because Jen was screaming in my ears, run, you idiot. I'm convinced that God, out of his love, out of his goodness, wanted to prepare that, us for that moment. Hey, I'm, I'm gonna give you a word. I want you to plant your life. I want you to build your life upon this rock. That is, you know, I wonder how many days that we live our life and the goodness of God, God wants to prepare us. God wants to prepare us for whatever comes in that day. Obviously, that was a dramatic story. Our days are probably not filled with AK-47s, but I wonder how God wants to prepare us for a conflict that's gonna wait for us when we show up at work, for the anxiety that's gonna plague us that day. Or maybe it's not about us. Maybe God wants to give us a word of an encouragement to share with someone else. 
This is the gift of Scripture. The Bible is preparation. The Bible is a mirror, an anchor, a decision grid. This is the beauty of God's word is God is also so much more than that. God uses Scripture in so many other ways. The Bible is a gift, a beautiful and complicated gift for us to build our lives. So because of the importance of practice, I just want to extend a simple challenge for us as a community. Our staff has began enacting this a couple weeks ago, uh, a practice for us to begin to build our life upon our, God's word. And it's this practice of scripture before screen. Scripture before screen. Now, I'm not anti-technology. I'm actually addicted to it. So I need help. I need guardrails in my life. And so it's so easy for me to stumble out of bed. And the first thing I do, get my phone out, check my calendar, check my messages, check social as I'm trying to just wake up for the day. And we know, that, like if we're intellectually honest, that's probably the worst way to start our day is beginning by the agenda set by our world. What is the news cycle churning out for me? Like, what, like the comparison I can easily be plagued by by social media or the different messages that we get. Like it's, like, it's like the worst way to start our day instead. What if we begin our day by just begin by God's word, just building brick by brick our day based on the firm foundation of scripture? So today you're gonna get an email with a bunch of resources for helping you plant your life in God's word. And these resources are podcasts, apps, approaches, even Bible studies. And I'd encourage you, just for this week, just try this out. Before you look at your phone, go to Scripture, go to God's Word with the idea that God wants you to practice the way of Christ. Wherever you are today, especially if you're in a storm right now, I just want you to know it's not too late. Start building your life in the middle of God's Word and upon Jesus there's no safer place to be.